Hello again, this is Pastor Ed Collins with North Christian Church. This is part 74 of The Lord is Our Confidence. Uh, let's open up in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this incredible privilege of gathering together in this unique way, Father, uh, in this time of special need. Uh, Father, as our faith is being tested, we know that as we learn the truth, it's the truth that sets us free. Father, thank you for providing us with this kind of grace, um, for proving to us once again that we are your children and that you love us and that your promises aren't vapid, but as real as the ground that we might be standing or sitting on right now, Father, we're just so grateful for these truths, these rock-solid truths that we are able to maintain hope in, Father. We do pray uh, for those in the congregation, Father, that are still ill, that you comfort them and heal them in your good timing, and that they know that um, we're with them in spirit, um, though we can't necessarily encourage them face to face. Uh, we pray that messages like this one <clears throat> find their way to them and that they be edified by them. Father, we pray for those also that are in this world that are without hope because they do not have access to you through our Lord, your Son. Most of all, we would like to give thanks for all that you accomplished in saving us by sending your Son to die for our sins, Father. We do just ask for your blessings on this message. May it be edifying for our souls. We ask this in Jesus Christ's precious name. By the power of the Spirit, we do pray. Amen. Again, really excited to teach. Uh, I miss you all. Uh, let's dig in. Part 74 of The Lord is Our Confidence. Uh, just a, a heads up that I've received a lot of uh, wonderfully encouraging feedback from Sunday's message. And I truly do hope you all realize how fortunate you are to have the messages coming to you, uh, having never really even skipped a beat. Uh, and also, as always, the team here at North Christian Church has done a great job adjusting to what we might call adverse conditions uh, right on the fly and making it look easy. And I emphasize look easy. Um, I know most of you have probably already figured this out, but you know, not every ministry has been able to keep messages coming to their congregation. Um, certainly not the way this one has. So please remember Paul's words. Uh, go to Ephesians 5 verse 20. Ephesians 5 verse 20. Again, uh, just a friendly reminder to be grateful uh, for the grace that's been coming from this uh, pulpit uh, from this ministry uh, to your benefit, really. Um, Ephesians 5 verse 20 reads, Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you get that? Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
And uh, verse 21 reads, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now we're going to focus, obviously don't lose sight of the fact about Thanksgiving, please. Uh, it's to your benefit. You are blessed when you live and abide in Thanksgiving. But also verse 21, um, because we're talking about a ministry, sort of standing out uh, and standing up, uh, even in adverse conditions. Well, verse 21 really is the reason for that, that you've got a group of individuals at North Christian Church that are submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Um, this passage reminds me of a recent blog titled The Beauty of Submission. If you recall, that blog quoted this same passage and taught us about what it means to submit to one another. Because um, frankly, that concept can be taken out of context and used like a whip by someone with an unholy agenda. Um, but a good example of this, quote, submitting, is what North Christian Church has done on your behalf during this time of change. You know, we've all stepped out of our comfort zones. We've all stepped out of our routines in order to serve you spiritual meals like this one. Uh, like I said, it looks easy, but it's not really that easy. Um, there's a lot of things that still need to happen behind the scenes. Um, and so, you know, we have stepped out of our comfort zones, our routines, in order to serve you. That's what submission looks like. Um, and again, it's for your own sake uh, that I ask you never to take such acts of godly grace for granted. Rather, understand the following. Again, I'll, I'll rob from uh, The Beauty of Submission, which is the blog from March 13th of this year. When believers submit to one another, we are revealing the fruit of the Spirit, being filled with Him, a la Ephesians 5.18. When we abide in this godly submissiveness, we perform acts of obedience, which pleases the Lord. Um, again, look at verse 21. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. You know, the linchpin to unlocking verse 21 um, is out of reverence for Christ. That the end of it, out of reverence for Christ. In other words, while we serve one another, the motivation is righteous when it is out of reverence for Christ. <clears throat> Again, when we serve one another, the motivation is righteous when it is out of reverence for Christ. We serve each other faithfully because that, my friends, is the holy economy that God has set up here on earth to bring glory to him. He's glorified when we submit to each other uh, out of reverence for Christ. That's the economy. I hope you see it. That's the big picture economy. Um, I, uh, his grace flows through me to you, and then your grace flows from through you to me uh, and everyone else. Uh, so we call this idea, this holistic idea, grace orientation, or something similar. I, I could care less about the man-made phrases. I just want you to understand that when we abide in God's economy of grace, being used as vessels to his glory, as Paul wrote in Romans 6, as 
instruments of righteousness, when we abide in his economy instead of the world's, whose currency is creature credit instead of grace, when we abide in his economy instead of the world's, we are pleasing to the Lord because we are revealing fruit of the Spirit. That's the perspective I'm hearkening back to as I remind you of the seamless kinds of adjustments we've had to make at North Christian Church so a message like this one can reach your ears and set you free. Hence our second quote from the same blog up here on the board, the beauty of submission. The beauty of submission is that it is a privilege of ours to abide in bringing glory to God. It's a privilege to submit. It also reveals our love for our Lord. With Christ's perspective on the matter, we are set free. Again, the idea, let's go back to verse 20, Ephesians 5, verse 20, reads, giving thanks always. So that's a given. Um, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. In other words, you should be happy about uh, just having the ability to submit to one another, to serve one another, to lay down your life for one another. That's what grace looks like after all. So I reiterate up here on the board, for your own sake, for your own sake, please don't take acts of grace for granted. Please, we are entitled to nothing. For example, God gave you this message, but he didn't have to. Furthermore, certain people are involved in keeping this ministry afloat. God is pleased because they do so out of reverence for Christ. That's Ephesians 5.21. Again, for your own sake, please don't take acts of grace for granted. We are entitled to nothing. For example, God gave you this message, but he didn't have to. Furthermore, certain people are involved in getting this ministry or keeping this ministry afloat. God is pleased because they do so out of reverence for Christ. So I hope you see that uh, what I just described, or I just described God's economy through a primitive example that he uses to sanctify us. Uh, you are listening to that example right now. Go to Ephesians 4, 11. Ephesians 4, verse 11. You're listening to that example right now. Ephesians 4, 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature, we're going to focus on this, to mature manhood, <clears throat> or womanhood, that's a matter of speaking there, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. If we just hone our focus for a moment on the word mature, maturity means to function in God's economy. That's what a mature person does. They are what we might call, again, grace-oriented. Um, they know that uh, it's all to his glory, and they know what's pleasing to him, and so they remain obedient and that's what maturity really implies. It means functioning in God's economy. And when we do, we not only bring glory to him, which pleases him, but 
we also reap the benefits, the personal blessings of doing so. Just to share a bit, um, to be honest, I'm feeling blessed right now, honestly. I'm sitting here in my little office uh, talking to a computer screen. Instead of talking to you and, and seeing your faces, um, I'm feeling blessed right now as he's using me as a vessel of mercy to preach this message to you. And so I, it just caused me, it caused me to take pause uh, when I was preparing this message, and it does now. I mean, seriously, who am I? Who am I? Who am I that he would choose to use me as a vessel of honor this way? Who am I that he's lifted me out of utter depravity and spiritual poverty to stand on the word and preach it? And who am I sometimes, you know, I have to pinch myself. Not because I think there's anything at all special about me, like, oh, I'm so great, this, you know. But rather, you know, I know myself <laughs> with all the warts. Um, you know, I'm that much more aware of how gracious he is than any of you might even imagine he is towards me. You know, I, I have in my notes, if you only knew. <laughs> But the point isn't to draw attention to me, uh, but rather to how God uses each one of us as individuals in his grace economy. Look at Romans 9.21 on the, on the board. Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? Think about that. He chose you from eternity past. He chose you to submit to one another, to uh, bring glory to him uh, by revealing his grace uh, to one another. He didn't have to necessarily, right? Again, this is how he works, my friends, through you and through me. My job is to submit to you out of reverence for Christ. That's what we saw in Ephesians 5.21, right? Uh, your job is to submit to the next person, or even me. Uh, we know that's part of the Word of God as well, shepherd-sheep uh, relationship. Um, we're to submit to each other on a more basic level, though, uh, out of reverence for Christ. Uh, in other words, to serve each other. Uh, why is he having me open up this message this way? Well, allow me to repeat. For your own sake, please don't take acts of grace for granted. We are entitled to nothing. For example, God gave you this message, but he didn't have to. Furthermore, certain people are involved in keeping this ministry afloat, and God is pleased because they do so, quote, out of reverence for Christ, Ephesians 5.21. So our motivation not only results in good things for you, Allah, this message coming to you, um, but it's also a great example of what grace can and does do through humble servants of the Most High God of the universe. And as you all continue to be taught this way by grace, regardless of how many people are sick or even threatening to die around us, you know what? Here's some perspective for you. God's word is going out. God's word is going out. And as his word testifies about its own effectiveness, we studied this not so long ago on the board, Ephesians 55.11, excuse me, I'm sorry, Isaiah 
so uh, go. Uh, actually, I've got it on the board. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty. Again, Isaiah 55, 11 on the board. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. What you're seeing, and for that matter hearing right now, is God's word being effective. It's literally Isaiah 55, 11 in action. This message, uh, my voice, the technical equipment used to create and deliver this message, etc., all of these things have been put in place as an expression of God's love towards his children by grace. All of these things. Uh, that's how God's economy works, as we've studied over the years. That's how God's economy works. It works through us. We submit to one another. Up here on the board. So just as a uh, friendly reminder uh, on this topic of grace, we don't just imagine grace, we experience it. That's one of the wonderful things about grace, that it's not uh, void of expression. It's not void of power even. Uh, God's economy is, is uh, supremely powerful. And so we don't just imagine grace, we experience it. Uh, we even partake in it. That's one of the most beautiful things of all. Uh, that's a spiritual reality that an unbeliever just can't even understand. So the more we are sanctified by the truth, the more we understand the principle on the board, which marries perfectly with our primary passage regarding this ministry in your soul. Again, Ephesians 4.13 said, Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood. I hope you're still there. I believe you're still in Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4.13, again, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Again, this maturity means functioning in God's economy, which pleases him. But, and this is why I'm not going to stop at verse 13, we also reap the personal blessings of doing so. Look at verse 14. So that, so that, this is the result, in other words, we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we ought to grow up in every way. Uh, this is what maturity looks like, right? We ought to grow up in every way, into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So step back, big picture. As God's grace economy continues to grow inside of his family structure, um, and just a side note, as I mentioned that, just because, you know, just because the world uh, may be falling apart, <laughs> I mean, look around, right? People are maybe not doing so well, certainly not spiritually, but uh, that sort of comes to fruition when uh, times get stressful. Um, but I want to encourage you here, and, and the Spirit obviously wants you to know that just because the world may be falling apart doesn't mean 
God's kingdom isn't advancing. Remember I said earlier, the word's still going out. You see, he's working his grace through vessels and ministries like this one, ministries like yours. I'm hearing awfully good things about people reaching out to one another uh, just to, you know, uh, build each other up, to take care of each other, to look after each other. That's all grace working through you as vessels of mercy, right? Instruments of righteousness. Um, so just remember that, that just because the world may be falling apart, it doesn't mean God's kingdom isn't advancing. As children of God, we are not only protected, but we are advancing. It may not seem like it. You may, you know, lose sight of it even um, because of the distractions and the white noise in this world right now, especially. The truth is, as children of God, we're not only protected, but we are advancing. Um, sanctification includes being brought closer and closer together uh, in, in unison, right? Uh, the unity of faith that Paul wrote about. Strangely enough, uh, not I shouldn't say strangely, but interestingly enough, I've heard multiple people tell me, even witnessed it through observation, that in some ways they have spent more quality time with others than they did when the doors of North Christian Church were actually open, <laughs> And I'm talking about people that are other members of the church even, right? Uh, multiple people have said they spent more quality time with others than when, than, than when the doors of the church were open. Uh, now, you know, uh, disclaimer here, I'm not supposing we keep those doors closed. And for the record, nor has the Spirit indicated in any way that that is his intention. But we cannot dismiss how God has used our current situation to reveal certain things about ourselves to ourselves. We cannot dismiss how God has used our current situation to reveal certain things about ourselves to ourselves. Fair enough? Amen. I think sometimes um, we have to be you know, startled with change in order to wake up and remember the things and Especially, you know, the people that matter most to us. I know for a fact that we get familiar with each other. Uh, you know, North Christian Church and a variety of uh, names over the last decade plus um, has a lot of the same people. And, and, and in that church, uh, we've grown accustomed, We've, you know, even to the routines and it breeds a certain uh, familiarity, right? Um, and it isn't until those things are ripped away that, you know, we're startled by it um, and we wake up and we remember the things that matter most of us, most uh, matter most to us, uh, which is the people, really. Um, and speaking of people, obviously, we ought to remember there's one in particular that we ought to always remember, right? Jesus Christ. Let's grab a nice reminder, shall we? Go to Colossians 1, verse 13. Colossians 1, verse 13. I'm going to take a sip of my water now. Again, Colossians 1, verse 13. Reads, uh, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. So maybe, just maybe, I'm just saying, Colossians 1.13, maybe, just maybe, God has shaken up the world 
with us in it, uh, knowing that we will be startled and woken up so that we remember the things that matter most to us, starting with Christ. Again, verse 13, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now, hey, listen, I was open earlier about my warts, and if you only knew, well, how about you? How about all your sins? How about the fact that you were forgiven at, on, on, on the cross? Think about that, 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 that what he accomplished on the cross, uh, if he didn't do that for you, there would be no forgiveness of sins. Have we become so familiar? In him, uh, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him, in other words, he's preeminent, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Now, that perspective is so very powerful, is it not? It really is. Just to focus on power for a moment. What about power? Well, power has the ability to move us, doesn't it? I mean, that's the very nature of power, right? It wouldn't be called power if it were impotent, Um Something that's powerful has the ability to alter its surroundings in some way, by definition. Well, think about how powerful the Word of God is in your soul. And that's tantamount to saying, think about how powerful Christ is uh, to you in your life. So think about how powerful the Word of God is in your soul. And think about how it has altered your thinking over the years, uh, changed your perspective in such a way that you now enjoy freedom, even under certain types of stress. And uh, go ahead and think about even, you know, those times we're living in. Think about how Christ's power, the power of the word, has altered your thinking, changed your perspective, uh, even under certain types of stress. It's a really a wonderful thing to ponder, and we ought to be encouraged by it, truly. It's a wonder we ever become familiar with such things. Um, but if we're totally honest with ourselves, we do, right? Case in point, from our recent blog called The Stress Experiment, dated April 3rd. We humans have a primitive fault. We often prefer routine over health. We, and I'm talking about not just health, I'm talking about spiritual health even. We fear things that alter our lifestyles. Uh, we suffer daily as a result. We stress out because deep down, when faced with the opportunity to change, we somehow find a reason to reject the idea. So we wallow in what can only be called self-induced misery. So just to put this into perspective, we have the God-given right to access his grace, his truth by abiding in his word that is in Christ. And yet, and yet, we somehow manage to get caught up in the things of this world. And if we're totally honest, in many ways, we actually actively pursue friendship with the world. 
Why? It makes no sense on paper. Why? Well, sometimes our own flesh convinces us that under certain stressful situations that it's the good thing to do. <laughs> to even actively pursue friendship with the world. In other words, if I befriend you, if I start, you know, uh, taking on your thinking, uh, will you leave me alone? If I get caught up in all this hoopla over this or that, you know, crisis, will, will this will this suffering end? It seems like the right, the good thing to do under this stress that I'm feeling. Um, but you see, my friends, that's the trap that has been laid out to ensnare you. The word gives us clarity to see the traps. Go to Proverbs 1, verse 17. Proverbs 1, 17. Again, that's the trap. Under stress, we do some weird stuff, my friends, right? Uh, under stress, we think, well, you know, our flesh convinces us that, you know, sometimes it's, it's the good thing to do to actively pursue friendship with the world. Uh, the word gives us clarity to see this kind of trap. Proverbs 1.17, For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. In other words, we looked at this months ago, uh, if not a year or so ago. It's a dumb idea to set a trap in full view of the bird because they are too smart to get caught in it. In other words, a bird sees the trap and the danger of being caught up in it. They see it with focus on see. The bird has eyes to see. Sound familiar? Those are Jesus' words as he taught his disciples lessons about how the world works and all the trappings and such. Uh, he'd say those with eyes to see and ears to hear, right? You can, you can hear what I'm saying. What do you think the Spirit's been doing for you all of these years? What do you think the Spirit's been doing for you all these years in terms of eyesight? Same thing, right? He's making you like the little birdie who can actually see the trappings. Uh, we're, you know, pretty hard of, you know, hard to, uh, of seeing, or I wouldn't, I wouldn't call us uh, blind, um, but we don't have the greatest eyesight even as new believers. And so as we're sanctified, we see greater and greater and we fall into fewer and fewer traps as we uh, grow up and as we uh, mature. Um, so that's what the Spirit's been doing in you all of these years. The statement, the truth shall make you free, certainly applies, since it's the truth that gives us eyesight. And it's this eyesight that allows us to avoid the trappings in life. In other words, we realize it's no longer a good idea to even entertain actively pursuing the things of the world right? Just to, you know, relieve some stress. Um, but stress has a tendency to blur our vision, right? Ever wonder how some people are able to function under extreme stress, though, and still see the forest through the trees? It's because they maintain a certain focus on Christ uh, and his word, of course. Uh, and as the fruit of this, as the fruit of maintaining this focus, this obedience even, in humility, they, quote, see things clearly and avoid the trappings that everyone around them has fallen into. Now, just reflect for a moment. How does the Spirit want us to apply this to our lives? Well, you know, obviously, 
nowadays it's all about the virus, right? We don't even have to say what it is. It's the virus. If I say it's the virus, you know, so-and-so got the virus. I'm not talking about, everybody knows, I'm not talking about the flu. I'm not talking about a, a cold. It's, you know, corona. It's the virus. So nowadays, it's the, it's the virus. And people are checking death tolls and infection counts daily, if not hourly, right? Uh, the conversation sits like a centerpiece on the kitchen table, never too far from discussion. And, you know, for a lot of people, it's a source of stress. And don't judge. Don't ever judge. Because um, I know for a fact that, you know, everybody stresses out over something at some point, right? If you don't think so, you're a liar, which means you've got humility issues to deal with. But nonetheless, it's a source of stress for a lot of people, um, even believers. And so, But here's the perspective we ought to add to the previous one I gave you regarding God's kingdom is advancing always, right? That, that, just remembering that. That, wait a minute, I'm part of an army that's advancing forward. Everybody else is falling over like a bunch of, uh, you know, bowling pins. And, and we're just sort of walking down the middle line and marching forward. And God's word uh, is marching on, right? Go to Philippians 4, verse 4. We have a completely different perspective available to us. So we should never, ever surrender our position in Christ, uh, and I don't mean that in a salvific way, uh, we don't surrender our place, our uh, seat at the table, let's say, and, you know, under pressure and under stress and, and somehow turn to uh, a relief valve that the world is offering up. We should never do that. Just remember that we are always advancing. Uh, look at Philippians 4.4. 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Here's a focal point in a, in a, in a blog, a recent blog, and also in our recent messages. Uh, do not be anxious about anything. That is a command. Do not be anxious about anything. Uh, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Here's the insight we gained last time from the original Greek, uh, from Merimnao. Do not be anxious. Uh, it's an old verb for worry and anxiety. Literally means to be divided or distracted, uh, to be over-anxious, distracted. Uh, this is a command. And it's a sin to disobey a command. Do not be anxious, right? The Spirit set up this message by opening up with a reminder about the grace economy of God. Well, if this is a command, guess what also is a grace gift? Guess what also is a grace gift? And think about everything that's going on in this particular command as we've been studying out. Uh, guess what also is a grace gift? And it's certainly something you're benefiting from right now as this ministry continues to function in your life as it submits to you, right? To echo back to our opening passage in reverence to Christ up here on the board. Obedience is a grace gift. Imagine that. Obedience is a grace gift. Our ability to obey the commands in the Bible is given to us by the grace of God. For example, do not be anxious is a command 
that we can obey by grace. We cannot defeat fear by force of will. We must depend wholly on the Word and the Spirit for deliverance. As the Spirit taught us last time, you know, there are all kinds of so-called, quote, monsters in this world, right? No shortage of, quote, monsters in this world. But the truth is that they are only masks. So here's the perspective we want to cling to. Up here on the board, Psalm 118.6, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What did we just read in Philippians? Do not be anxious. Uh, the counterpart, obviously, Psalm 118.6, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Who cares? What else is going on in this world? Some crisis or someone's trying to do this to me or whatever, right? The Lord is on my side. We are advancing forward with the word of Christ, with the word of God. I will not fear. That's our posture in the world. We should never surrender that willingly. We should never surrender it because, you know, our flesh is having a, a fit or uh, we're just being weak. We should always go back to the perspective in the Word of God, which is why I've said over the years, anytime you're having a bad day, go to the Bible. It doesn't even matter where you go. Just open up the Bible. Ephesians, Colossians, great places to start, right? The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. Uh, what can man do to me? Satan uses all kinds of agents to promote fear in this world. I was having that discussion with someone recently, um, how fear just basically is the thing that uh, the world uses to control everyone uh, and get everyone to do anything it wants it to do, really. Satan is a genius, remember. He uses all kinds of agents to promote fear in this world. What does the Word of God have to say about this? Up here in the Word, Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. You get it? The fear of man lays a snare. It's a trap, right? Fear is a trap. Um, whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. The word of God is in direct contrast to the word of this world. The word of God is in direct contrast with the world. the word of this world. The word on the street, in other words, is that we all ought to be living in fear. If it's not this virus, it's something else. It's something new. The Word of God says we believers ought to be living in hope. Remember Peter's words? Go to 1 Peter 1, verse 3. Remember Peter's word? The Word of God says we believers ought to be living in hope. Uh, that's a far cry from fear, right? 1 Peter 1, verse 3. Let me get a sip of water here. 1 Peter 1, verse 3. <clears throat> Again, remember what he said. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. A living hope. Our hope is not dead. Our hope is alive in Christ Jesus. Why would we ever surrender that thing uh, under stress? I mean, that's when we need him all the more when you think about it, right? So uh, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable. It's never going to fade, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power we are being guarded through faith for a salvation, a deliverance ready to be revealed in the last time. 
In other words, we're completely guarded. We have nothing really to fear. Um, doesn't that echo back to our reading of uh, Psalm 91 on Sunday? It sure does. Let's catch the tail end of that chapter again. Go to Psalm 91.14. Uh, we read the whole of it on Sunday, I believe. Uh, we'll just catch the tail end uh, of it, of the portion that we read. Psalm 91.14. Again, we should never uh, surrender uh, the, the God-given grace gifts that we have. Uh, and as soon as we stop, you know, there are practical implications here, right? As soon as we stop submitting to one, one another in reverence for Christ, that's how we eject ourselves, right? It, there, are, there are real practical uh, uh, principles at work here as well. We can't just say, well, I'm not going to surrender. It's never going to happen. Well, there's a reason you get caught off guard. It's when you fall out of uh, living uh, for others and submitting to his plan for your life. Psalm 91 verse 14 because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. To me, that sounds an awful lot of like we just read in First Peter 1, honestly. It sounds an awful lot. Uh, I'll read it to you again. It's in my notes. You don't have to go back. But 1 Peter 1, 5 state, Who by God's power we are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Uh, we are protected members of the body of Christ. We are part of the, the God's family. Uh, we call him dad. Remember, Abba, Father. That's what living hope looks like, my friends. Now, let's synthesize a little bit. We learned on Sunday uh, through that phrase, do not be anxious from Philippians 4, 6, that the word says, do not be divided. Do not be divided. In other words, do not live in fear over the circumstances of your life. Circumstances ought never dictate your outlook on life. Circumstances ought never dictate your outlook on life. Here's what will dictate that for you up here on the board. If you want deliverance from fear, then obey the word of God. Ta-da! Is that new? Probably not, not for most of you. But yet, why do we need to hear it so often? Why am I here again like a broken record on behalf of the Spirit of Christ? Why do I have to teach this? Because for whatever reason, we're just awful. <laughs> we forget stuff. Uh, we're not... Uh, we're not faithful, frankly. Uh, I'll leave it at that. If you want deliverance from fear, then obey the word of God. That's it. It's not rocket science, but we have to be reminded regularly at that. If you want deliverance from fear, then obey the word of God. Deliverance is yours to have right now. It's but a change of perspective away, as I like to say, right? If you're, if you're stuck in a little bit of misery or you're a little fearful still, uh, all the Spirit's been trying to do now for weeks is just change your perspective. That's it. Deliverance is a change of perspective away. Your peace, you have to obey. All you have to do is obey. You can't just cry out and say, deliver me, Father. And then he turns around and says, well, then obey 
take in the word of God, listen to the uh, the pulpit messages, read the blog, whatever grace I'm throwing your way, take it in. That's what obedience looks like. All you have to do is obey, and that's your choice in it. You want your perspective changed? You want to be ejected out of fear? You want to be delivered from any fear or anxiety, right? And therefore satisfy a very command of God. Do not be anxious. You want to do all that stuff? Obey. Obey what? The word of God. As we noted last time, um, obedience begins with taking in the word of God. Up here on the board, Proverbs 4, verse 7 in the Amplified. The beginning of wisdom is get skillful and godly wisdom. It is pre Eminent. And again, preeminent just means surpassing all other things. Okay, this is the one thing. You want wisdom? Get wisdom. It is preeminent. In other words, pursue it, seek it. And with all you're acquiring, get understanding. Actively seek spiritual discernment, mature comprehension, and logical interpretation. How about this? We also studied this last time Proverbs 9 10 in the Amplified on the board. The reverent fear of the Lord, that is, worshiping him and regarding him as truly awesome, is the beginning in the preeminent part of wisdom. Its starting point and its essence and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding and spiritual insight. Again, God's command is to not be divided. To the degree you are divided, to that same degree you will live in fear. The preeminent command then in the Bible is to learn the word of God in the fear of God. Remember, if you want deliverance, obey the word of God. What does that mean? The preeminent command in the Bible, it means the first one, right? You don't just get to go, you know, you know, like some people read books, right? They're like, I'm too lazy to read the whole book, so I'm just going to go to the last chapter, read it, and put it back on the shelf. That's pure lazy. That, you can't do that. Uh, the preeminent, the first command in the Bible, the first one that really matters in terms of gaining wisdom and being set free is to learn the word of God in the fear of God. Hence, our recurring principle, again, obedience is a grace gift. Our ability to obey the commands in the Bible is given to us by the grace of God. For example, do not be anxious is a command that we can obey by grace. Who does God give grace to? James 4, 6, the humble. Who is he opposed to? The arrogant. You see it? For example, do not be anxious is a command that we can obey by grace. Right? We cannot defeat fear by force of will. Uh, we must depend wholly on the word and the spirit for deliverance. So in closing... Uh, let me say this. I just don't want you, um, I don't, first of all, I don't want you to hyper-focus on the fear aspect of the point on the board right now. Um, that, yes, that's the vein the Spirit used to precipitate the point on the board, but he's now trying to elevate your thinking. He wants you to do as the psalmist uh, suggested in Psalm 91. He wants you to Recall where shelter from the so-called, you know, quote, monsters in this world can be found. He wants to bring into remembrance all that the good Lord Jesus Christ taught his disciples so long ago. That the humble are blessed with freedom. That they abide in a, as 
Peter wrote, A Living Hope. Um, it's something he wrote about years later after Jesus taught his disciples. Um, and that it's the, the humble in this world, the submissive, that the meek, uh, it's the meek that inherit the world, right? The meek inherit the things of God. We're the ones with the inheritance, right? That's what the Bible tells us. We have the real inheritance. Um, to put things into perspective, this world is a theater. Um, it's a play where we've been placed on stage as play actors. And on that stage, there are lots of folks, folks wearing masks and running around scaring other people. But that's all this world is comprised of. Satan has no more power than God gives him. That's it. Don't ever forget that. Satan has no more power than God gives him. God would be unjust if he gave Satan more power. Um, or power that would overpower his word in you. He would be unjust to make any promises thereafter, correct? Therefore, he doesn't, right? He doesn't break that righteousness, that goodness. Um, he couldn't do both. So in other words, again, just etch this in your soul. Satan has no more power than God gives him. That's it. God is in control. So remember that, my friends, always, especially during these times of certain uncertainty and what happened, uh, what have you. Uh, up here on the board, again, just want you to see it in your eye gate, right? God is in control. Re repeat that to yourself. So as this truth washes over us, we are set free. We realize that God's promises are real. That the Lord's peace is ours to have, just like he promised. Thus, our series title, The Lord is Our Confidence. Amen? Okay, let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much once again for this incredible privilege of studying your word this way, uh, this unique way. Thank you for opening our eyes to be able to see the truth. And thank you for encouraging us and reminding us to seek the truth so that we are set free, Father. That we can be uh, beacons of light on a hill uh, in a dark world, Father. We just ask for your blessings as we take the things we've learned in this message back to the privacy of our own souls and our families and then your will be done out to a world that just needs uh, just needs it so desperately, Father. We ask all this in Jesus Christ's precious name. By the power of the Spirit, we do pray. Amen.